Yeah, well, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, I, I really do mean that. I love Kingswood. I loved when I was here, and uh, I love everything that's happened since I left. And uh, yeah, O2 is, uh, that's a while back, eh? Weird. This was a field when I graduated. In fact, right around, right around here, I actually broke up with a girl in this field right here. So there's <laughs> lots of great memories right, right here. So it's awesome. It's great to be back. Um, and so I, I just want to talk about something for a few minutes this morning that's just super practical. It's not going to be one of those blow your mind, wow you with theology sermons. I don't do those anyway. But this is just a really practical message for us today on, on how we're supposed to live as followers of Christ and something that we all wrestle with and all struggle with. And so before we do that, let's pray. Uh, God, I've got nothing worth saying this morning. I, I can't say anything that would change anyone. Um, we need to hear from you. And so we, we pray that you would speak, Holy Spirit, and uh, say things to us that we need you to say. Help us to listen and hear and obey. And uh, may we just know that we have been confronted with your word this morning and uh, help us to leave changed because of it. Amen. Uh, do you ever notice that we lie to kids a lot? Yeah. Do you ever notice that? We tell kids not to lie we oh, you should never lie. Lying is very, and then we lie to them nonstop, right? Did you ever, uh, how many of you believed in Santa? Anyone? Easter bunny? Anyone legitimately believe in the Easter bunny? Like for real, little bunny pooped chocolate on your bed? Wow, really? Santa, I can kind of see. The Easter bunny, no. Uh, the tooth fairy, anyone? A firm believer back in, I hope I'm not like spoiler for anyone here this morning. <laughs> it's all real, I'm so sorry. Um, we, do, we, we have these stories that we tell our kids, these things that, that we'll lie to children about, and then we go and we tell them, don't worry about it, don't lie, and, and sure, maybe that stuff is harmless, right? I, I get it. I'm not speaking against the demon of Santa this morning or anything like that, but we, we lie to our kids all the time. A few years ago, my daughter dislocated her shoulder, and so we had to take her into the doctor. She says, is this going to hurt? No. No, he's just going to relocate your bone. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Is going to the dentist fun all the time, right? Where do babies come from? Storks. Is whatever, whatever we can do, right? We, we lie to children all the time. You were lied to as a child by someone who told you not to lie. And so you've heard, you've heard lots of lies in your day, but there's probably one that you heard as a child, maybe in school, maybe on a playground growing up, that, that might be one of the biggest, most damaging lies that you ever heard, and it's the simple rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me, names will never hurt me. Man, what a gigantic lie. Did you ever believe that one? We probably all did at some time. It, it is a huge lie. And maybe you remember the day that your parents came clean with you on Santa and the Easter Bunny, Right? Maybe you remember that day. Maybe, hopefully it wasn't too damaging. No one came in with a grudge against their mother this morning from any of that kind of stuff. You moved on. You got over it. You're fine. But you can still remember things that people told you years ago. You can still hear their voice in your head. You still carry those words with you. You are still wounded by those words that you might have heard years ago. Sticks and stones are temporary. Right, what's that? It's bruises. 
Let scars, you can stitch those up, they'll take care of themselves, they'll disappear. But there is something that is lasting and powerful and damaging about words. And, and if you let them, they will stick with you for years. We live in a day and age when, when teenagers will commit suicide because they're bullied on the internet. You don't even have to have a weapon to hurt anyone nowadays. You just need this. Words have incredible power. Incredible power. And, and in fact, if given the choice between sticks or stones or nasty words being said about me, you, you can hit me over the head with a piece of lumber. Gladly. And I, I just had a year where, where I endured a lot of that uh, for the first time in my life and got thrown into a bit of a media issue and was taken out of context and misrepresented and, and my Twitter feed was just like you would never fathom that people would say those things to a complete and utter stranger. I, would, I will gladly let you throw a rock at my head. Words. Words. What are you saying? How are you saying it? Now, on the flip side, words can be good. They can be good. And, and words have changed the world. I mean, really, what, what anything good that's happened happened because someone got up at the right time and said the right thing. Someone stood up at some point in history and spoke words against slavery. They spoke words against racism. They spoke words against injustice and poverty. You can change the world with the right words. You can change the world with good words. And so it's one of these either or kind of issues. It's two sides of a coin. Your words can be so good or so unbelievably bad. That's what Jesus did, right? He just walked around and said stuff. It's just words. Mind you, he was the word. It was a little different. But the potential that you that you walk around with, with your words, is astounding. The verse I want us to look at this morning, there's so many scriptures on watching our words in, in the Bible, but our verse this morning is Proverbs 18.21. simply says, the tongue can bring death or life. The tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That sounds fairly foreboding, doesn't it? You will reap the consequences. Your tongue is death or life. That, that means it's good or evil. That means you can construct or destruct. What you say with your words is unbelievably powerful. And obviously, when he says the tongue, we're not literally talking about the tongue. I mean, we are because that's how you speak. But it, it's bigger and broader than that. Your tongue is this little disgusting, slimy pink thing that hides in your face. Right? Your tongue is disgusting. There's a reason that God hid it in your head where you can't even see your own tongue. You can't see your own tongue, right? Unless you're Gene Simmons or something. Can anyone see their own tongue? I don't know. Now everyone's trying it. Some guys can. No one wants to see your tongue. We tell our kids, right? Like, don't stick your tongue out. That's disgusting. Right? We're not talking about the tongue literally. It's, it's kind of this metaphor. It's like when we say the White House has issued a statement. No, it hasn't. It's brick and wood but it's what the White House represents. And so when it says the tongue can bring life or death, we're not literally talking about your tongue. We're talking about how you communicate in general because the way you speak nowadays goes way farther than what you just say verbally. 
It's way more than just your tongue. We're talking about communication in general this morning. And I think if Solomon or the author of this proverb were here today, he would probably look around and say something more along the lines of, your communication can bring death or life. He would look at this and say, your keyboard can bring death or life. Your Facebook comment, death or life. How you respond to that text, death or life. It's not just your tongue. We communicate in a lot of ways, and all of our communication has enormous implications. So how does your tongue bring death? That's a pretty strong statement. Your tongue can bring death. Well, here's how. There's a whole bunch of ways. One's insults. Insults are death. Put-downs, sarcastic comments, when, when, when you just kind of throw character judgments out there at someone else, insults are death. That is how you bring death with your tongue. And we do this so quickly, so easily, right, without even thinking about it. You, this isn't something that you've done in the past and you conquered and got over, <laughs> for the most part, probably. This is something we do. You've probably insulted someone this week. When what time is it, right? 9.50, you've been up for like an hour or something, right? You, maybe to, some of you are going, no, I have not. 22 minutes. We just insult so easily. It, it happens so easily. And the thing that, that happens, I find, that we do this, what's bad about this for followers of Christ is that we do it and we don't even feel bad about it. We don't think twice that we did that. It doesn't even register on our conviction scale anymore. We just insult. It, it happens so easily. Your roommate does something or says something and you're like, oh, you idiot. Right? You get cut off in traffic. I got cut off on the way here, actually, by a huge truck that then immediately slowed down in front of me. Then you're going, oh, you are such a bonehead. And, and God says, what are you speaking on again? Happens so quickly, so easily. And we, may, we mistakenly will think sometimes that, hey, no harm done because no one was there to hear it. I insulted that guy, sure, but he wasn't around. It's not like he knows I said that about him. I muttered it under my breath, and he was in another room somewhere. No big deal. And the Bible would say otherwise. The Bible seems to indicate that the harm that is found when you insult someone isn't necessarily in whether they were there to receive it, but what was happening in the person's heart who said it. This is James chapter 3. Starting at verse 9, he had a lot to say about the tongue. And he said, sometimes the tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who are made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and a grapevine produce figs? Nope. And, and what he's saying here is that what comes, what comes out of a tap indicates its source. What grows on a tree indicates what kind of tree that is and, and how healthy that tree is. And so for you, Kingswood, what pours out of you is revealing what you're full of. The words that you said yesterday revealed your heart. 
The words that you said last week were an indicator of what is in here. And so if you or you know someone else that's just this constant stream of insults and put-downs and negative commentary and, and complaints and discouragements, that is very much an indicator of what's going on right here. Your words will reveal your heart every time. James would say, can something evil come out of a heart that's supposed to be holy? How does that happen? It's not right. You can't come in here and praise Jesus this morning and raise your hands and sing and then go back to your room and just start spouting off against that guy you can't stand or that professor who gave you a grade that you didn't deserve or something that happened at home that's driving you nuts. You can't do it. Cursing can't come out of the same mouth of a heart that is holy. The issue isn't found in whether or not the person heard you. The issue is what is inside of you that made you say it. And that makes it a lot harder. Jesus was good at taking something relatively easy and making it a lot harder. For instance, he would say, you've heard it say, don't murder. Well, I don't know about you, but that's fairly easy for me. I have not killed anyone ever in my life. So far, so good. Right? Relatively easy. And so Jesus says, I'm going to one-up that a little bit, and I'm going to say that even if you get angry at someone and speak against them, then you might as well have just committed murder. We think, what? Did you really just say that? Did he really say that? This is Matthew chapter 5, 22. He says, even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot... Or if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. When we started talking about how the tongue can bring death or life, we didn't think he was talking about our own death. But that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Your own death. Your insults and harsh words are very damaging for others, absolutely. But they are also going to damage you from the inside out. And they reveal a much deeper issue. Not just the target, but for you itself. We'll still try and justify our words, though. We'll say things like, well, what if it's true? Right? What if I call a guy a bonehead who is 100% a certifiable bonehead? Like, can I, can I do that? I mean, Jesus did that, didn't he? Jesus said all sorts of nasty things to the Pharisees. He called them caskets full of dead men's bones. He called them twice the sons of hell. He called one of his own buddies Satan, right? <laughs> so certainly, if it's true, then can't I say it? Can't I call my friend Satan? <laughs> and, and then you, get, you, you walk down this road where you've got to understand where Jesus had some pretty specific things he needed to do related to, 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 to who he was specifically and what his goals were here on earth. You can't necessarily just go and do and say everything literally that Jesus didn't said. That's a sermon for another day and another time. See, you can't use Jesus as your justification to act and say however you want. You can't, you can't go flip tables at Future Shop because their prices are too high. You can't. I mean, you can. Go for it. But. And here's what we're getting at with this, is that Christians too often have used this kind of justification to say whatever it is they wanted to say, and it did more damage than it did good. It caused more harm than it did anything beneficial. And Christians, they've, we've got this pesky habit of saying, well, it's the truth. 
Someone's got to stand up and say the truth, and I'm here to expose lies and corruption, and I'm... And sometimes it just does not end well. It does not go well. You can think of circumstances. Just because it's the truth doesn't mean you can say it however you want to. There's a right way to say it. Um, at our church right now, uh, there's a fairly large group of us who just did a 12-week-long weight loss challenge. And uh, it ends this weekend on Thanksgiving, which is so fitting. And I'm, I'm going to gain every pound back, and my veins will swim with gravy, and it's going to be stupendous. So, but I, I took part. I took part in this weight loss challenge. I knew that I could lose a, a few pounds, and I knew this because my kids one day told me the truth. It was back in the summer, and I think we were outdoors swimming. And the girl said, Dad, look at how fat your belly is. You look like you're pregnant. Was it true? Perhaps. Was it nice? No. And I want you to get this this morning because you're at an institution where you are learning the truth and they're teaching you how to communicate the truth. And, and I just want you guys to remember this. You can tell the truth and still be a jerk. You can say the right thing the wrong way. And you can do more damage than good. We've got to be really careful especially as the church. How are we communicating truth to a world who needs to hear it? Because there's a right way and there's a wrong way. So be careful. And, and what, what we'll do to justify this sometimes is say, well, it's constructive criticism, right? I, I knew that what I said was mean and harsh, but it was constructive criticism. No. See, the word constructive means you're building up. You're constructing something. You should be edifying and building up and doing something good. More often than not, we call what we do destructive criticism. And we really just wanted to say something that was bugging us. And so we'll spurt it out. They didn't build anyone out at all. It was deconstructing if it was doing anything. Don't try and justify what you feel is the truth, but by calling it something that it wasn't. There's a wrong way to say the right thing. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 13. This is how he kicks off the love chapter. And he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would just be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I, I can say all sorts of wonderful, eloquent, true things, but if there's not love in it, then it is just an obnoxious, terrible sound. In Ephesians, he actually summarizes it really well, and he says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth but do it in love. Make sure that your motive is love. Make sure that it's filled with peace and grace and goodness and kindness. Your words can be death, even if they're true sometimes. That's a hard thing to grasp for us. Another way we can bring death is through sarcasm. That's a hard one for me to talk about. Good land. Mike McNeil's laughing at me. He knows. He knows that sarcasm is my love language. <laughs> what sarcasm and other forms of sarcasm try and do is, is allow you to say whatever it is you want to say, but you can follow it up with, well, I'm just joking. I was only kidding, just messing around. Like, if you have to say that a few times a week, you're doing it wrong. 
If you're always finding yourself saying, well, I was only kidding, I was just joking, I wish there was a sarcasm font on the internet so people knew I was kidding, you're using your words wrong. Sarcasm is our vocabulary's wolf in sheep's clothing, and it tries to disguise itself as something harmless, but it can hurt you. There is always a victim with sarcasm. It means to belittle someone. It means to hurt someone. You don't ever want to be on the receiving end of sarcasm, correct? So make sure you're not on the giving end of sarcasm. And we could go on and on and talk about all these things that are really hard and super practical, like lying and exaggerating and gossiping and breaking your promises. It's all our words and it's death, it's death, it's death, it's death. What are you saying each and every day? How are you speaking? How are you using your words? Is it sarcastic? Oh yeah, he's a real catch. Oh yeah, way to go, Einstein. It's not good. How many of you play the game Words with Friends? Anyone? The phone game? No one? Words with Friends? Come on. I need some new challengers. <laughs> Words with Friends is basically Scrabble on your phone and you can play it with people all over the planet or your friends. More often than not, if you play with your friends, the game becomes Words with Enemies. At least that's how I play it, because I get super angry at people, and then, and then I want to win, and then the game sucks life out of me, and I have to delete it. And then I re-download it a week later. So <laughs> It was actually, I think it was Alec Baldwin, the actor who got kicked off of a flight for refusing to put his phone away because he was playing words with friends. It was awesome. He's a real genius. Um, so inevitably, when you're playing words with friends, what it lets you do is put all your letters on to form whatever word you think might be a word, and it'll show you what your potential score is. And so I always, all the time, I will throw every letter on there, every combination possible, and see if it's a word. Right, Zaxquidja. 300 points! This is going to be amazing! Uh, every every 10-letter letter is on this thing. It's going to be so good. And inevitably, when you hit send, you'll get a pop-up that says, I'm sorry, that is not an acceptable word. I'm sorry, Zaxquidja is not an acceptable word. Outrageous. But here's the thing. I love that pop-up. I wish we could install it into our heads and into our lives as we go about our everyday business. Wouldn't that be helpful? Your roommate does something to tick you off, and you're like, oh, that, I'm sorry, that is not an acceptable word. <laughs> it would be so good driving in your car, and someone does this bonehead thing, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Those are not acceptable words. That would be fantastic. Install that somehow in your head. Get yourself into the habit of saying, that's ah, not an acceptable word. Another proverb actually sums this up incredibly well. Memorize Proverbs 10:19. This is the NLT. It's my favorite version because it says this. Too much talk leads to sin, so be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> this is the Bible. That's fantastic. Too much talk leads to sin, so just be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It's perfect. Fantastic. I'm sorry. Those aren't acceptable words. Those are not an acceptable phrase. You can't say that. Listen, I give you permission to say that to everyone around you. If someone comes to you and they start complaining about someone, just, I'm sorry. Those aren't acceptable words. If, if someone starts to come and gossip to you about someone else, you can just say, those aren't acceptable words. In fact, put your hand right over their mouth. 
Just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Super effective. Try it. It's awesome. Do it. Paul actually said something along similar lines, but with a little bit more niceness. This is Philippians 4.8. And he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, you can think about those things. Or for the, the sake of our message this morning, you can say that stuff. You can type that stuff. If it's pure, lovely, and admirable, fantastic. Say that all day long. Do you know that you can talk about someone behind their back if it's compliments? If it's building up the kingdom? If it's encouraging one another? Don't you want to live in a dorm where everything that's said is admirable and trustworthy and honorable? Don't you want to eat a meal in a cafeteria where every conversation at every table is excellent and praiseworthy? So make sure that your speech is wherever you go. You can, you can think about those things. You can say those things. See, in the same way that the tongue can bring death, it can also bring life. The tongue can bring life. It's what Paul said. You, you, can, you can build people up instead of tear them down. You can say something good instead of something that's evil. Don't, don't you feel better after someone's complimented you? It's all right to to brag just a little bit this morning. Don't you feel when someone says, you look great today? You try and play it off. You're like, oh, thanks. No big deal. Really, I do? And you're like, yes, it worked. Someone says, awesome job on that thing you did. Or, man, you, you preached so good today. Or, I'm so proud of the way God is using you. Don't you just feel better? You you walk away with just a lighter step and you're like, yes, because someone spoke life into you. They gave you life instead of death. This is Proverbs 16, 24. It says, kind words are like honey. They are sweet to the soul and healthy for your body. Kind words are good for your soul. That's not just some kind of ridiculous karma, self-help nonsense. That's That's scripture. Kind words are good for your soul. And they are good for the souls of everyone else that is around you. So speak life. Speak good words. Encourage one another. In fact, I challenge you today, encourage more people. Five people, go out of your way today to encourage five people. And mean it. Don't just be like, I like your pants, I like your shirt, I don't know you. Right? Just, no, no, okay? Take some time, mean what you say, say it nicely, and encourage your professors. Thank your professors for doing what they do for you. Speak life into the cafeteria workers. Build one another up as a community and as the kingdom. Speak life. Kind words are good for your soul. You know what else is awesome about the right words is that they contain power. There is power in the word Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus and in the word of God. In fact, we we say there's scripture. It says right here, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and powerful. 
sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God and the words of God are power and alive. Speak those. Read those. Memorize those. Those words are sitting on your shelf and we don't read them nearly enough. There's power in those words. Power in that stuff. There's power when you speak the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? I mean, we pray in what? The name of Jesus. Why? He's the one with the power. He's the one who can do what you just asked for. He's the one who can answer those prayers. There's power. There's power. Uh, just a few examples. This is Acts 16, 18. Paul's trying to help someone. It says, this went on day after day, and Paul got so exasperated, he turned and said to a demon inside of the lady, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Mark 16, 17. says, miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They all cast out demons in my name. They'll even speak new languages. Acts 4.30 says, stretch out your hand with healing power and miraculous signs and wonders will be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. There is freedom and healing and life and victory in the name of Jesus. There's power there. Speak his name more. Say it out loud. Sing it out loud. When you sing scripture, when you sing worship songs, you know the most useless, powerless thing you can do when you come to a service like this is to just quietly mouth the words or just sit there and not sing at all. Worship is battle. We are, we are fighting against principalities and powers that you cannot see, but you know what? They can't stand the name of Jesus. They flee at the name of Jesus. Their power is gone when you speak and when you sing his name in the words of God. There's power there. Jesus said in Matthew 21, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. There are good words with life. You can speak life. That's what Jesus, that's what God did when he made everything. What did he do? He just spoke it. Let there be light. Okay. Let there be some water and a bunch of animals in it. Sure, done. Spoke it. Didn't have to work for it. Didn't have to make something with his hands. Just spoke life. And now he says, you can speak life too. Not in the sense of, let, let there be money, and lo, there is, there is not at all. <laughs> but, but he says, if you pray for provision, I will provide it for you, because that's the kind of God I am. So you can speak words of life. This is when we cast out the demon in the sound system. <laughs> um... So, that's where, we, that's where we leave things this morning. Your tongue is death or life. Your words are death or life. And, and you can choose to tear down and deconstruct and hurt and damage people, including your own soul, or you can build one another up. You can build up the kingdom of God. You can encourage the people around you, and you can speak truth in love and in grace. It's your call, but it's one or the other. Your words will be one or the other. So speak well. Speak life. Because your words are revealing your heart. Your words are revealing what is inside of you. 
insults and lies and gossip and put-downs, those words are not acceptable here. Those words are not acceptable at Kingswood or not acceptable in the kingdom. But we will speak life. Godly people speak godly words. We'll close with Psalm 1914 that simply says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. Make that your prayer this morning. May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your, your word and that we know it is truth and it is power and there is life in your words. And so I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would help us watch what we say. We need your help with this. We will admit that we are weak when it comes to this. I pray that this would be a community of believers who are constantly building one another up and encouraging one another, loving one another, and speaking life to one another, Father. And when we go out into the world, may we find that line between speaking the truth but doing it in such a loving, graceful, effective way. Help us with this spirit, we pray. Amen.